0: I, I read something, and, and it was one of those annoying reminders. I don't know if you ever read a verse and have it be, like, say something you don't want it to say. You never have that happen? Amen. The rest of you, you guys can start reading anytime. time. Um, but if you read your Bible very long, it's part of what the Bible's supposed to do is it's supposed to tell you things that you probably don't want to hear, but it's supposed to help you grow. Um, and in the whole process of growing, normally it's things that we don't already know, because I don't think any of us are intentionally stupid. If we knew it was stupid, we wouldn't do it. We thought it was a good idea. And then later you go, mm, nope, that was not a good idea. It was bad. Um, like roping your sister when you're practicing roping. That was a bad idea. Um, anyways, <laughs> Romans fourteen thirteen says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Um, how many of you guys have ever noticed someone else's flaws? The rest of you are hermits who live by yourself and never interact with others. And sometimes it's really easy to notice somebody else and be like, you know what? You have issues. And if you really want to know what they are, I can list them for you. Like, like it's just one of those things where it's easy to point out and to be like, you know what your problem is? First off, you're a jerk. Second, you're arrogant. Second, like, like it's easy to, to sit there and when someone comes up to you and's rude, to be like, man. You have issues, or when they sit here and you watch them talking back to their parents, it's easy to sit there and go, man, you're disrespectful. You did this, you did this. Hey, your flaw is that you, your language, the movies that you watch, the behavior, it's easy to point out at school and go, you're the person with the worst reputation. And there's something in human nature that wants to point out everybody else's flaws kind of with the hope that they won't notice yours. If you can point out somebody else's, Who's worse? But this verse goes through and says, let us not pass judgment on um, another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. It goes, stop worrying about what stupid issues they have. How is your life affecting them? Start worrying about you. And And as I was reading this the other day, I was like, oh, this is just a really cool reminder that their problem Is their problem. You are your job. And just getting this, and as I was starting to write my notes for tonight, I was thinking about some of the different things I'd read recently, and this kind of came to mind going, before we talk about the fruit of our lives and what it should look like or what it shouldn't look like, I wanted to start with this little reminder that you are your job. That person that as soon as I, I, I tell a story and you're like, I know someone who needs that. okay. We're gonna not worry about them, and we're gonna worry about us, and go, just because your brother, sister, cousin, neighbor um, has a big issues, we're just gonna worry about our own. And we're gonna apply the message to ourselves. And as I started, I'm like, all right, so where are we gonna start with this? I discovered the Bible compared you to a tree. How many of you guys think you're a lot like a tree? Okay, and I first read that, I'm like, how am I like a tree? Trees hold still. When do I hold still? Never. Occasionally while I'm sleeping. But my wife tells me that's still occasional because most of the time I still flop around and wiggle. And it's gotten better through the years, but uh, drove her crazy when we first got married because she was a light sleeper and she started sleeping with me and like roll around. What are you doing? What? Like you dream. Does anyone like ever wake themselves up because they move a lot in a dream? Or, like, you get that, like, I got to jump, I got to jump, and then you jump, and you're like, whoa, what just happened? Uh, yeah, I do that all the time. It's like, what is going on? I'm like, I had to get the volleyball. Um, the, uh, the worst one, though, was I grabbed her. The baby was falling. In my defense, the baby was falling. And I caught the baby, but I was dreaming. It actually was her stomach. And, like... <laughs> So like I'm there, i like the baby's falling, like boom! And I went to catch the baby, and she's just like ah! Like what is that? Like, Sorry, I caught the baby. I caught it. Oh. <laughs> so, um, how am I like a tree? Because these trees are hard, and they just stay in one place, and they're very. St- I don't do that. But trees, and particularly the good ones, uh, produce fruit. You produce fruit. Some of you guys are like, nope, nope, no no fruit on me. Nope, 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 just hands. Um, But your actions, your words, your choices, the things that your life produces is the fruit of your life. Jesus says this in Matthew 12, 33. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit what kind of fruit is your life producing and it's easy to um, I don't know ignore this but the Bible makes it very clear that we need to check our fruit how many of you guys can drive legally, legally. <laughs> how many of you have seen a police car while you were driving what is the first thing you do when you see a police car? Okay, there's one of two answers that are going to come up. Yeah. A, hit the brakes, which is what most of you guys said. You're like, slow down. Or B, check your speed, um, which is probably what it should be. Um, <laughs> most of you guys are like, I already know I'm guilty. I'm just going to hit the brakes. Okay, this is apparently the the response that I got here, but. Most of the time when you see a cop of the first things that you're going to do for you, if you already know you're guilty, is hit the brakes. But otherwise, it's going to be to check your speed. Why? Because you don't want to get pulled over. You're like, this is a reminder that I need to examine myself and see if I'm going the speed that I'm supposed to be going. There are other gauges on your car that are also important that you should check. Anyone know what any of those gauges are for? Anyone know what any of those gauges are for? Okay, one person knows. He's in driver's training. They just made him learn. Um, <laughs> Not yet, not yet. But he still knows that a gas gauge is probably important. Um, if you don't, does anyone know someone who doesn't pay attention to their gas gauge? Anyone have to rescue someone who wasn't paying attention to their gas gauge? Anyone ever been that person? Okay, don't have to raise your hand. Hey, okay, so I have been that person, kind of. Um, the only time I ran out of gas, I went to a gas station and went to fill up with gas and realized that I had forgotten my wallet. I'm like, dah, stink. I'll have to fill up in the morning. There was not enough gas to make it back in the morning. Um I drove actually there was enough gas to make it another mile and a half. And so I made it a mile and a half and ran out of gas and had to call my brother. But this is the point. You need to examine you. I need to examine me. Not just go examining somebody else and going, "Well, here's your issues." But need to examine myself. In 2 Corinthians 13:5 it says, "Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves." Or do you not realize about, about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test? It can be very easy to just get um, going in life. be like, well, everything was good once, must be good now. And not to, to realize that we need to re-examine our lives and go, you know what? I said I wanted to follow God. Where am I on that? am I still following God? Or if I let God drift out of center, and if I put something else there, if I put myself there, and and I say this not as like a point my finger at you, but this is something I have to do on a regular basis. I remember I've watched pastors whose walk with God got reduced to their job And when it did, you watch them, if their job changes, their walk with God falls apart. When I was in Bible school, there was a bunch of people who went to Bible school because they love God. There were some that went because their parents tried to make them. But there was a bunch of them that went because they loved God. But in Bible school, they shifted from having their own walk with God to going, I'm in so many Bible classes, I'll let them dictate my relationship with God. And you couldn't tell for a while because they were stuck in praise and worship six times a week. They were stuck in Bible teaching classes, Oh, what is it, 20 to 40 hours a week. And then they were in three to four services a week. And then they were in a small group once, at least every other week to possibly two to three times a week. And so there was enough that you couldn't tell for a little while that their relationship with God was beginning to lose its roots. But I watched some of those students that came because they love God get out of college and a lot of their relationship with God fall apart because they'd stopped seeking God on their own and said, I'm in and around enough of it that it'll seek God for me. And I watch this, and so I still have to check myself and go, you know what? Am I still chasing God? Or have I let this become a job? Am I seeking God for me? Is my life actually producing fruit? Or am I just going through some motions? Am I overflowing with God's presence? Or have I become a good actor? Putting on a show, just like, anyone from Hollywood that can act and can pretend to be anything, but it's not what they really are. And I, I, I check myself, but it's something that we all have to do. In Matthew seven seventeen, it says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear um, bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you'll recognize them by their fruits. What happens to the bad fruit? The tree that bears bad fruit gets cut down and thrown into the fire. Does that sound pleasant to anybody? And I just got thinking about this going, well, how easy is it for my life to change direction? How easy is it for my life to shift? And how often would I notice? How easy is it to to be running a course and not realize what you've become? How many have watched people do really stupid things? How many think they were intentionally being an idiot? They're like, well, there's actually this one guy. Yeah. But most of the time, people who do stupid things aren't trying to be stupid. Then how come they do? A lot of them just lost track. It wasn't that they're trying to be stupid. It's just that their focus got shifted elsewhere. It wasn't that they meant to be a jerk. They just got selfish. And when they begin to focus on themselves, they they stopped noticing how their choices were affecting every single other person on the planet. And that's why I watched at the airport when something goes wrong, someone goes and just starts yelling at this little stewardess who's behind the counter as if she started the bad weather. You're like, your plane's grounded. You don't understand. He's just yelling at her. Why? Is he like, "I was his mission this morning? Going, I'm going to be a jerk. I'm going to yell at people. And I'm going to make them hate their lives and hate their jobs. But why then would he do such a thing? Because he was so focused on himself that he forgot to notice anything around him. He didn't see what fruit. And the funniest part, because like, I'm actually not just thinking of a generic. I'm thinking of an encounter on my way back from one of my mission trips. Um, this guy was getting so irate that somebody called security. And when security shows up and he noticed them, it was kind of like when you see a cop and you check your speed. All of a sudden, he calmed down really quick. And then I'm sitting there kind of watching the whole thing. He starts talking to the security about how crazy some people are. And you're like, "Um, have you seen a mirror recently? And then to realize that we do that often. And go, even a child is known by their actions, by whether their conduct is pure and right. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11. And I got thinking in this, this, this concept that we are like a tree and that God, the gardener, expects fruits, keeps coming up in uh, John, not John, sorry, Luke chapter 13. Jesus tells a parable. He says that there's a farmer that had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard and he went to to get some fruit, to look for fruit on it, but didn't find any. So he went to the man who took care of his vineyard and said, for three years now, I've come back looking for fruit on this fig tree. Why haven't I found any? Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it, fertilize it. If it bears fruit, fine. If not, cut it down. And then he talks about it getting thrown on the fire. But, He looks and goes, all right, give it one more chance. Until he comes back, gives us one more chance. When's he coming back? Soon. How soon is soon? No idea. But this idea that he expects this fruit out of me is, is this crazy thing where he goes through going, he's expecting something. Am I producing that fruit. In John 15, he talks about it again. We'll get to John 15 in a little bit. Matthew 3, verse 8. Repentance is supposed to bear fruit. Matthew 3, 8. Produce fruit, keeping with repentance. A lot of times people will tell you, I'm sorry. You ever encountered someone who says sorry, but refuses to change? They're not sorry. They may say it, But their fruit says, I'm not sorry. I may be sorry that you don't like it. I may be sorry that I got caught, but I ain't sorry. If I was sorry, I would change something. And I I keep dealing with different situations recently where people want to say that they're sorry for something stupid that they did or something horrible in several of these circumstances that they did, but they don't want to produce change in their life. They want to say, yeah, I'm sorry, and it's your fault. You know, the reason that I yelled, scream, and hit you is your fault, because you're just so stinking annoying. Shouldn't have hit you, but you're just so annoying. Like, shut up and own up yourself. You know that most domestic violence situations, the abuser blames the victim? Because they're not sorry. They don't want to examine themselves. They want to place the problem outside. And it's sad when you look at the domestic violence situations, but it's sad when we look and find that the same problem is often in our own reflection. In our own life, it's easy to go about and to continue doing things to go, oh, I'm sorry, and not to change. We have to ask who we are living for 1 John 1, 6 says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. It says that if God does not affect the way that we live, if there is not fruit in your life based on your relationship with God, your relationship with God is a joke because it's an act. You might be a really good actor, but if it's not affecting you, you might be fooling yourself, but that's it. And so I, I think about this and go, all right, if I was to go around to your school and start asking students about you, and I was just to go, oh, hey, do you know them? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. What, what fruit does their life produce? They'd probably look at me like I was high. What fruit? Uh, they're a person. Okay, what would you say they value? Would they look back at me and go, new clothes, sports, being cool, okay? Would they look at me and say, people, if I was to begin to ask them questions about you, could they tell, could they tell me that you are a Christian? Or would they look at me and go, I don't know. How am I supposed to know? They don't talk about it. They're kind of a jerk. Probably not. Like, what, what would their answer be? Would it be, see, here going, man, when someone goes without food, they are the first person to share. When someone's on their own, they are there for them. When someone's getting mocked, they stand up for them. Or would they look at me and go, when someone's on their own, they're there to mock them. They're the first person to point it out if someone's socks don't match or if their clothes don't match, if someone broke a fashion rule by wearing white pants or shoes after some date, I don't remember what it is, but there's some, there we go, there's girls who know. There's a guy too. I stand corrected. What would you be known for? What would they tell me if I was to begin to ask them about you, what things would people say? This is what marks their life. This is what stands out about them. And I begin to kind of get this thing because so often, rather than marking our life with a love for God and a love for people, we try to use repentance or saying I'm sorry as an excuse to try to justify living the way that we want. And as I was reading in Romans, I I found a verse that I hadn't really noticed something about before. In Romans 5, verse 21, it says, So that is, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace also might reign through righteousness. When you think of grace, most of the time people associate grace with just covering sin. When does grace reign? Through righteousness. And I got thinking about that, and I was like, wait a second. Grace reigns through righteousness, not through lawlessness. Grace is to empower us to live different, not to allow us to live the same. And to begin to examine, going, God, how am I doing? In fact, this last week, as I was doing one of these little self-exams, going, God, I can do better. And just going, All what does doing better look like? Going, all right, let's simplify it. Let's have two goals for the day. Goal number one, God, I want to know you better today than I did yesterday. Simple goal. What are you going to do today that's going to allow you to know him better today than yesterday? All right, I can, that's a simple goal. And God, I want to reflect you better today than I did yesterday. How am I going to know you better? And how am I going to reflect you better? And if I can find something, if I can find a way to try to achieve those every day, it'll correct things. Because I, I saw some of the spots in my own life where I didn't like the lack of fruit. There were some of the spots where I'm like, there's fruit here, there's fruit here, there's not, there's, there's spots that are, aren't, aren't right. If I'm gonna test the gauges, I don't like some of them. How am I going to fix it? How am I going to produce more fruit? Oh, just some simple, simple goals. Go, all right. God, I'm going to know you better. God, I'm going to reflect you better. How can I do that today? And I want to ask you, what kind of fruit do you produce? Because your life is producing some kind of fruit. Good fruit or bad fruit? Is it the fruit that you want to be there? Or is it the fruit you hope no one would ever see? If you're going to be judged by your fruit, if the evidence is in the fruit, are you happy with what's there? Some of you guys may say, you know what, I don't have a relationship with God, so there's there's no fruit from him. Others may say I have a really sad relationship with God, judging by the fruit that is there. But if you're here and saying, well, I need to make a relationship with God, or I need to put God back on the throne in my life. Sure, I said a prayer, kids camp, junior high camp, but I've been living for myself. If you say, I want to make God the Lord, I want to make him the master of my life, I want to give you a chance to do that tonight. And if you say, you know what, this is a good, this is a good reminder, check my fruit, things are looking good, then great. But if you're here to say, today I want to make him the master of my life, I'm going to count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One, two, three. Raise up your hands nice and high. So that's me. I need to make Jesus the Lord, the master of my life. I want to live for him. Awesome. Who else is, that's me. Awesome. All right, we're going to say a simple prayer. The Bible says that whoever calls on his name will be saved. We're going to declare him to be Lord and master of our lives. So go ahead and say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.